Thanks for joining me. What you've gotten yourself into is a podcast that looks at the state of today's television and film landscape as it deals with the disruptive force of streaming services. Now, if I made that sound boring, then you've already stopped listening to the podcast episode. So for those still with me, let me just say that this really is an endlessly fascinating topic for a number of reasons. See, one thing I love, and I hope you too, is uh, history. And specifically, I love moments of transition in history. Moments when the old guard begins to lose its grip on power, but fights the upstarts anyway. I guess to use a sports analogy, it would be like the Moneyball Revolution that changed thinking of baseball. Or to use an example from military history, it's like how World War I changed both people's attitudes towards war and how technology led to a massive change in military tactics. Um, Although, again, for more deeper dive on that, I recommend Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. He's great, and I, I subscribe to that podcast. Uh, I'll probably be doing that a lot. I, I listen to so many podcasts, I'll just be giving dropy recommendations uh, often. Anyway, uh, to get back on track, aside from moments of transition, another thing I love is entertainment. I love to watch movies, and I, I just watch way too much TV, more than a, a father of two should, that's for us, and who has a full-time job should. But um, <laughs> anyway, what's happening right now is a mix of these two elements, transition happening in the thing I love. Uh, the old guard of television, which is, oh boy, most of them have been around since the medium's creation. And, uh, several of them predate TV, like CBS. They were radio stations. Uh, many expanded to have multiple channels, and some have joined the ranks of cable providers, though, which was actually the first threat to the medium itself. Uh, movie studios have also weathered many storms, table, uh, sorry, cable and television among them. But what's happening now is fundamentally changing the consumer. What's happening right now is a parry and thrust as all the different players try to win over the consumer's money and attention. Uh, as we go along, you'll notice that their shaky alliances have formed. Then you see things like uh, Netflix signing a deal to stream the CW shows, so traditional media and new media um, seem to be getting along in that instance, and some uh, bridges have outright been burned, and there probably won't be a definitive end to this war, but the landscape has already changed and will continue to change. Some services may go away, and some, or become acquired, actually, that happens quite often, too. Some new ones will enter the mix, but it's a struggle that uh, I'll be keeping an eye on in this podcast. So for this first episode, I think we'll begin by meeting the different players. Now, I plan on going uh, on doing rather a deep dive on most of these in later episodes. So for now, let's all just take this as the overview it's meant to be. First off, we have to realize that not all players are equal. There's different tiers, is, is the way I put it, uh, of competitor. And the first tier are the major streaming services, the ones that are really trying to disrupt the current model of consuming media. And right now, that's pretty much Netflix, Amazon, and YouTube Red, which are owned by Google. These three are not tied to the traditional media world. Netflix has a mostly complicated relationship with traditional media, as I said a moment ago. Uh, but other people like uh, Fox and FX have spoken negatively about negatively about Netflix. Uh, HBO and Netflix have an adversarial relationship as well, something I hope to go into in a later episode. Amazon, for the most part, is uh, playing nice with everyone. You know, it's getting an original film like Netflix. It, it actually keeps theater chains happy by having a window uh, for release and not releasing films same day uh, on their site like Netflix does. YouTube really isn't on anyone's radar right now, but uh, with all the money that Google has... Uh, it's poised to make some big splashes down the line. You just have to figure it's a matter of time. Now, you might be thinking, what about Hulu? That's a major That's a major app. But since it's owned by a combination of Disney, Comcast, Fox, and Time Warner, it's 
next tier of streaming services, which are major services that are tied to, to traditional media. Hulu is one. Um, all of the premium channels, actually, that have standalone services. We're talking HBO Now, uh, Showtime, Stars, uh, Cinemax. They're in this tier. Uh, part of what puts you in this tier is that the pricing is not exactly trying to be competitive. Hulu is maybe the exception, but they make you watch ads at $7.99 uh, per month. You need to pay $11.99, which is $2 more than what Netflix charges for ad-free viewing. And they don't spend anywhere near as much as Netflix on content. Uh, Showtime and Stars aren't too overpriced, but when you compare them to that first tier, it's obviously not pricing competitively. Stars is $8.99, which isn't bad, right? Uh, but Amazon Prime Video Standalone is also $8.99. It has thousands more movies and lots more originals and new licensed TV shows. Uh, for more examples, you can look at CBS All Access, which is only $5.99 a month, you might say. But that's also, again, with commercials, and it's only CBS content. In fact, if you want ad-free, it's actually $9.99 a month, which is the exact same price as Netflix. And like I just said, you, all you get CBS All Access. There's shows you can watch on TV for free. And a catalog where many of the shows are on other services, like The Twilight Zone and Star Trek, uh, which I believe both of them are on Netflix, and Amazon Prime, for that matter. But anyway, that, the point being, these services make the bulk of their money through the traditional television system. So even though ad-free CBS is nowhere near the value of Netflix, CBS won't make a competitively priced service that will pull too many eyes from the TV. The next tier are niche streaming services, things like Shudder for horror movie fans, Acorn for Anglophiles, and Crunchyroll for anime. Um, again, hopefully I'll be able to address all these in, in a later episode. Outside of these specific services are the owners of the content. Uh, again, they're another player in this whole drama. This means Disney, who owns TV channels, and it's Film Division, Buena Vista, Fox, also an owner of TV and Movies, Viacom, um, who owns MTV, Comedy Central, other channels, as well as uh, Paramount Films. There are also just movie studios and, and TV operators that, uh, again, a much longer list I'm going to go into right now. Uh, again, another tier of players in this, in this uh, stream wars uh, would be the cable providers, you know, people like Charter, uh, Frontier, Cox Communications, etc. There's, there's lots of them. With them as being the providers, there's also a group in there that are providing channels over the internet. So I mean like Sling TV, which is tied to traditional uh, cable. It's owned by Dish. But you also have PlayStation, PlayStation View specifically. And they're bringing channel bundles over the internet. Again, disruptive from what we're used to. All this, and I haven't even mentioned Apple, which isn't, hasn't actually entered the market yet. But when I go online and read about the you know, players out there, everyone always seems to be thinking Apple's just waiting, waiting to pounce. And, uh, you know, it's like the richest country in the world by market cap. So, yeah, people are wary of it. So those are the different players. Um, one thing I really want to do in this episode is give an example of just how complicated all these different relationships can be. And to give you a sense of, again, what the fascination is uh, with me in this. So, for an example, let's talk about the movie Zootopia. If you haven't seen it, see it. It's a great film. I actually took my kids to see it in theaters. Um, it dropped on Netflix September 20th. Now, before I continue, full disclosure, I love Netflix. My original idea for this podcast was just to talk about Netflix. But, you know, every time I read an article about Netflix, I would end up reading about some other service and this whole complicated interplay that I now find myself podcasting about. But anyway, starting September 2016, Netflix begins being able to stream new Disney films, specifically films released 2016 and later. Um, Zootopia is the first blockbuster to hit the service. First film was the 
like the finest hours, but that's, again, I, not Blockbuster. But Disney's other big hits, uh, The Jungle Book, Finding Dory, Captain America Civil War, all will stream on Netflix. Netflix, a streaming service, not a traditional premium cable channel like Stars, which through releases uh, through 2015 had the right to stream new Disney films. So already this is a monumental break from the ways things have been done. All the big six movie studios um, had, until this month, debuted their new films on premium cable channels. Warner Brothers debuts their new films on HBO. Warner Brothers actually actually owns HBO, so that might also be the reason. But uh, HBO also gets to air the new 20th Century Fox films and the new Universal films. Uh, Paramount's new films, again, another one of the big six, uh, Warner Brothers, Disney, we've talked about, 20th Century Fox, Universal, just to keep things straight. So now Paramount, they debut their films on the Epix channel, for the most part. And Sony debuts their films on Stars, at least their live-action films. So only Sony's family films actually debut on Netflix, too. All right, so what this means is that premium cable channels need to worry a little. Think about it. Why do you subscribe to Stars? I know they have some original shows. Uh, Outlander gets a lot of rating power. I, I hear about these things. I haven't actually watched them yet, but I hear, I hear very good things about them. But mostly, if you subscribe to Stars, it's because... New Hollywood Hits, that's their advertising campaign, New Hollywood Hits. This month, they debuted Star Wars The Force Awakens, which was their last film in that Disney deal. And it's been a major selling point. Look at this new and huge Hollywood film you can watch on our service. I know HBO is widely known for hit shows like Game of Thrones, but if it lost new Fox and Universal films, it would lose some of its shine and some of its subscribers. I didn't even mention HBO uh, earlier when I was talking about what channels charge. Their standalone service, HBO Now, is $14.99 a month, $6 more a month than Stars and Amazon Prime standalone, which are both, again, $8.99, $5 more than Netflix. Part of the reason someone's willing to pay that is because they can watch Deadpool uh, next month. I believe October 1st it comes. But that's not going to happen, right? right? I mean, they're not going to lose all these channels. The Disney thing, that was a one-time thing, right? I mean, Netflix can't afford to pay all of them. Right? They can't afford all the channels. Well, Netflix can't, maybe, but Amazon has deeper pockets than Netflix. Very deep pockets. When I do a deeper dive on, on Amazon, we'll go over some of the financials that get reported. They're a very rich company. Who's to say they can't outbid Stars for the right to Sony? What happens to Stars then if they lose Disney and lose Sony? Well, I'm, that might be why Stars was acquired by Lionsgate, actually, just this year. Now, Lionsgate can always be there to premiere their new films on Stars, like uh, Time Warner does with HBO. Although Lionsgate is actually a part owner of Epix, along with Paramount and MGM. And so how many new films do they have to put on Epix and not stars? I don't, I don't know. Again, uh, I got to do a, more research on that one. But as I said earlier, <laughs> complicated, right? Jeez, we didn't, and again, Google's always lurking around. You know, according to USA Today, Google has $70 billion cash on hand. So yeah, if they decided to, they could just outbid everyone. They literally could afford to outbid everyone. You know, what also complicates things is that you might have heard me say earlier that Disney is one of four owners of Hulu. So if you're Disney and you're putting your movies on a streaming platform, why would you let them go to a competitor? Again, this is why we get into these shaky alliances. If you're Disney, you probably would have preferred to send these movies to Hulu, which you part own. And think about it. You're trying to attract subscribers. Why wouldn't Universal, 20th Century Fox, in addition to Disney, all debut their new movies on Hulu as a way to compete with Netflix? I mean, the short answer is money. 
Hulu was created so that the owners of the content could put their work online before the pirates did it. Uh, look at the music industry and all the issues it faced with Napster. Now they fought that battle for so long that they lost, quite frankly. So they put their shows online and put commercials on them. For, for a deeper dive, deeper dive on this topic, uh, read this wonderful article on Slate.com called Hulu Didn't Fail at Free TV. It succeeded in weaning us off it by a guy named Will Oremus. But anyway, um, it's a good article. But Hulu has around 12 million subscribers as of May 2016. And that's according to an article I found on The Wrap. That's a lot of people, don't get me wrong. But it's about a quarter of Netflix's domestic subscribers. So Disney wants to support its investment, but they also, you know, they don't want to lose money. In fact, just the opposite. They want to make more money. All businesses want to make more money. So Netflix was the highest bidder for their movies. According to Forbes, um, the number Netflix is paying is $300 million with this deal with Disney. Hulu has money, don't get me wrong. It paid a reported $180 million to exclusively stream the TV show Seinfeld. But, you know, it licenses a lot of its content. And it can't afford $300 million for one company's new movies. So Disney would have to take less money to try and grow their service. Now, you could argue that maybe that's the smart move in the long run, but companies have shareholders and profit targets, and those can't always wait. It would actually be irresponsible for Disney to only take, I don't know, let's just hypothetically say $200 million from Hulu when it could make another $100 million from Netflix. And so Disney knows that Netflix is a competitor, help people cut the cable cord, and it has a rival paid streaming site, but $300 million is $300 million. And, you know, Netflix also produces Marvel's uh, Marvel TV shows, which, you know, again, Disney owns Marvel. So Netflix is Daredevil. Netflix is Jessica Jones, soon Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, and Punisher, and Defenders, and probably many more after that. Does Disney want Netflix to go out of business or to continue to give them money? Serious question. I don't know. If Disney had a perfect world, you'd think they'd want Netflix to go to business? I don't know. It's a complicated relationship today and going forward. These kinds of battles happen often. And that's going to be this show. I'm going to wrap my first show now. Um, I'll try to get episodes out every week or two. If I can't keep that up, I might just make an episode where I <laughs> just throw in the towel if I can't keep to this. This podcast is a, is a creative outlet for me. you know. But I do have a job that I love, and I can't you know, do everything. But I, I really, really am beginning this because I feel now that in my free time I can do this. So, you know, going forward, I hope to release episodes. I hope none of them are that long. I ideally, at most, would want them to go to maybe 15 or 20 minutes at, at absolute most. Um, that'll cover, you know, some news that's going on, maybe get into particular streaming services like I talked about, as well as, you know, maybe review an original show uh, on a site. You know, I could, I could easily geek out over Stranger Things or any one of the shows I mentioned earlier for an hour. So I'll try to limit myself on time so I don't become boring. I'm a blowhard by nature, so <laughs> I got to watch that. So this is going to conclude my first episode. Uh, thank you very much, and we will talk again.